Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Uh, that's not kind of productions podcast. Lady Hey ladies, today on Lady Mouse, one of my favorite people in the entire universe gets to express hers. I'm talking the bittersweet blackbird herself, Bridget, the most amazing tattoo artist in all the land. Yay! Hi. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing good. It's good. a nice uh Nice Saturday morning on my day off. It's nice and cool out for once. It's good. I'm surprised you actually have a day off. Like I do. I really never ever thing. work Saturdays. Sometimes I'll work one of my days off, but I never work Saturdays. That's my awesome. Family would have a mutiny. <laughs> I know, and you have a big family too. Yeah, you- it's, it's smaller the older they get, though. <laughs> yeah, I know, but they still all come back to you. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to see because my kids are in their teen, mid-teens and I'm like, they're going to leave me and never come back. <laughs> yeah, but the later they get in their teens, the happier you are about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, my, right. my 13-year-old is still sweet and, and loving and adorable. And, and when he turns like you know, 16, 17 like the others did, and I'm just going to be like, go away. Oh, but you're lucky you have a boy I only have girls my 13 year old girl uh, well I said are you going to listen to me record and she goes yeah why not and now she's gone so that that's an example of my 13 year old <laughs> yeah mine's and, an adult now so it's easier yeah exactly <laughs> all right Bridget so how did we meet uh you called the shop let's see I was in my first like Oh God, first few months of uh, being a professional non-apprentice tattooer. And you called out of nowhere uh, to the shop I was working at trying to get a tattoo. And I think we talked on the phone for an hour about your idea. And then you came in the next day. Oh, wow. An hour. (laughs) Or not the next day. Maybe it was like a few days. But either way, it was like, uh, I remember it being like a a long conversation for a uh, um, complication. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this was actually the first time I was seriously getting tattooed after my personal transformation. And it just so happened I saw your name or I saw the name of the shop. I don't remember. I remember where the your first shop was but I don't remember the name of it mm-hmm. um and then I I just talked to you and I'm like yeah that's her that's the one <laughs> yeah it's a very relieving feeling when you find your soulmate tattoo artist you know 
And ever since that first time your your needle touched my skin, I was like, yeah, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun piece too. It was. I love it. Yeah, we have. Uh, you know, it's funny how uh, uh, the last piece we got um, at the tattoo convention, I finally got to go to the convention and have the experience and get tattooed by you and like... I feel like, you know, I, after an hour and a half, you'd know me. I was like, Bridget, we got to stop. <laughs> and I feel like you had shared, imparted with me that, like, the inside of your ribs after 40 just hurts too much. Like, I think as we get older, getting tattooed, even though we're both obsessed, you more than me. It just yeah. Yeah. They definitely uh, start to hurt the older you get. When you're young, you got all those fun endorphins and adrenaline that keeps you going. And as you get older, I think those start to slow <laughs> down a bit. But also, uh, I mean, a lot of people start real young getting the easy spots. And then as you get older, you're starting to run out of the easy spots. And you start getting a little bit, you know, like, hey, how's those feet looking? Or those ribs? Or, you know, that weird spot in the back of my knee? You know, and it's like... <laughs> It's it's like, you know, you, you got all your cute little, you know, forearm and, and shin tattoos or not shin, uh, calf tattoos. And uh, when you're younger and those are those are easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I know I'm running out of room. So the hard spots are coming up. But <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. I can't imagine because I know where all your stuff all is. I'm not as covered as you or a lot of tattoo artists, but. I do, you know, that's funny because uh, my boyfriend wants to design a tattoo for me. I'm like, all right, I'm going to have to ask Bridget because I don't do any tattooing without asking you first. We were thinking, how about the back of my calf? Because that looks like a spot that I could take. But mm. I got to ask Bridget first if she thinks I could take it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's the calf is one of those spots that vary from one person to another like some people think it's really easy and some people are like this is the worst thing ever <laughs> yeah I guess we'll see then in July when I go see you um mm. but I love that um you have your uh stayed staunch rules like you will not tattoo necks faces and heads um well no it's not necessarily the oh, deal okay uh, I, I don't like doing necks because it's just a very awkward canvas to work on okay. um people are breathing they're swallowing it's weirdly stretchy skin you know um mm -hmm. i'm not a huge fan of doing it but i have okay um, when it comes to necks and faces though um i'm very picky about who i do them for okay because um i mean you get some 18 year old who wants a tattoo on their face and they never had a real <laughs> job in their life and they think it looked really cool on this rapper that they saw and i'm like i'm not doing that on you because i'm going to ruin the rest of your life because you don't even have tattoos on your arms so yeah. Yeah, that's that's that but i mean i know a lot of very heavily tattooed people that i would tattoo their necks and faces but it's it's very much in a uh a one-to-one -one depending basis. on the person basis mm -hmm. yeah it's a case-by-case -case basis yeah and I, I love your ethics I mean I remember mm -hmm. going to you I, like two or three times because I keep forgetting and I'm like Bridget how about a foot tattoo you're like no <laughs> you, you have a hard time sitting through 
tattoos anywhere. If you get on your foot for two seconds, you're going to tap out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that's what I, one of the things I love about you, and I'm sure all of your clients do, that you care about them and you care about their tattoo placement or how green they may be or you know you you're not just a tattoo artist you're a tattoo therapist to me (laughs) at least consult it a bit so that they realize exactly what they're getting into exactly and I love I've always loved your you know non no nonsense approach you know you will Mm -hmm. tell it like it is and I think that's extremely admirable I remember at the convention you know in your book it said specifically don't take pictures of the book and like someone went to do that and you were like hey 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 and it was so cool I'm like yeah Bridget in action don't mess with the 40 year old like tattooed goddess you don't want to mess with the old tattoo heads you know what I'm saying like they're hardcore well that's the thing I've always been the person who will tell you when I have a problem with you <laughs> but exactly when it comes to conventions what happens is people will take pictures of the books like of tattoos that I've done and they'll be like oh I love this piece can you do this for me and then they will when I say no I'm all booked up because I usually am they'll be like okay thanks and they'll have this picture on their phone that they liked of this tattoo and then they'll walk around the convention showing people that picture and be like, can you do this? And no, <laughs> that's no. not how this works. And I'd like to think of- that other tattoo artists keep that credo and those ethics in mind well, as well, the right? The thing is, is that nowadays everyone has a picture, has a camera in their hand and they walk around with it and they don't realize the, the like etiquette of taking pictures of artwork and they'll just snap a picture of anything that find, they find interesting. And, you know, I, most of the time people are kind of ignorant to the idea, but other people are a little more devious. <laughs> yeah, and that's unfortunate because you want to build a great community, especially in your chosen career, and you love it. You love tattooing. It's been seven years now. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I if you count from the beginning of my apprenticeship, it's been over eight years, but... Um, you, you got about six, seven months in your uh, apprenticeship where you're not even tattooing people yet yeah. in the the uh, general industry for that long. But, you know, not not actually tattooing till like, I think December will be eight years. So That's great. Well, I hope Bittersweet Blackbird has a party and maybe I can try to get to it. <laughs> not for eight years. Maybe ten, but not, not eight years. Ten? Okay. Yeah, ten, ten is good. <laughs> ten is good. I'll think of another <laughs> All right, so let's talk about tattooing more. What first attracted you personally to it? Um, well, I mean, I kind of always wanted to be a tattoo artist when I was younger. Um, nobody in my family has tattoos, and we don't know tattooed people. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we, don't, we don't know tattooed people. So uh, it was not something that ever, like, it crossed my mind. It's something to be really cool. But, like, it, it was never something that, like, I ever really considered to be something I would ever be able to get into. Um, when I was in, like, seventh, eighth grade, and, like, all my friends can attest to this, I used to just, I had Sharpie markers in every known color. And my mom had to buy every single <laughs> color known to man. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, they have a new set. Buy me this. And I would draw these, like, <laughs> intricate sleeves and back pieces on my friends and them and then you know we'd like go walk to the park for a festival or something and like pretend we had tattoos it's funny oh that's horrible um, so like I always thought it would be really cool and um 
but like I said, is it, it didn't really cross my mind as something that I would ever be able to get into. Um, I, I grew up in a, in a, a very Catholic family. Uh, I went to Catholic school. Um, you know, we're the worst kind of people when we grow up. <laughs> I, I wouldn't know. My mom went to Catholic, Yeah, my mom went to Catholic school. She won't tell me anything about it. I'm like, I, you know, I don't want to know. <laughs> I went to Hebrew school, reformed, where we, reformed. Left, yeah, where we left service to go to the bathroom and chew gum. So I had a very gum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's all about chewing gum. <laughs> I used to skip church and go to friendlies with my friend across the street. Oh, from the church. yes. And my temple had a friendlies right next to it. We lived yeah. in friendlies. It's like ice cream <laughs> is way better than this drawing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, so like, um, I mean, I, I never, my parents were never the type to be like, you can't do this, you can't do that. So like, they never told me I couldn't get tattooed. So, I mean, I guess that's their fault now. <laughs> <laughs> They should have told me <laughs> because nobody, we didn't know people with tattoos. So it's like, you know, we didn't know any strippers either. So they didn't be like, Hey, Bridget, don't go out and become a stripper because it's just not something we were around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, I get it. But what now, now that you said twice, you hadn't thought you could ever do it. So when did you finally say, all right, I'm doing this? Well, um, I, I used to work for United Airlines. I uh, worked in customer service at the airport. Uh, I love to tell this story because I, I tell him it's all his fault and he laughs. <laughs> Your but, husband. Um, there was a guy who used to work with us. Uh, he had just started with uh, United and we used to you know, load airplanes together. And he, at the time, was part-time because the other part of the time he was an apprentice and he was learning to tattoo. Oh. And like he told me this and I'm like, wait a minute, you're like learning people like teach you this stuff. Like, how does, how does this work? You know, I, I'd heard from some people that, you know, that, that an apprentice is how you get into it. But like, I just kind of brush it off as something that like normal people don't get to do. Um, and I, and I asked him, I'm like, how, how did you get into this? Like, what, how does this work? Like, how can I do this? And he's like, well, you know, you just do you know, get your portfolio together and you like bring it into the shop and you know, you just uh, show us your work. And if you're you're good enough, then they'll teach you. And I'm like, that, that's it. That's all, that's all you do. <laughs> I'm like, it's that's that awesome. easy. Well, okay. So of course I like immediately like pulled together my, at that point, five years or so out of high school, high school portfolio, which let me tell you, a high school portfolio is not good enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> like a high school portfolio is great for getting you into college maybe, but it's not, it's not enough to get you into like a real job. So like I dragged together my portfolio. Some of this stuff I hadn't even tried to draw in years because I had toddlers and, and, you know, I was working full time and I was going through a divorce and just, uh, it's just like, it was a, it was a mess. So it wasn't exactly the time for me to be like artistic. So I just dragged together what I had some, some stuff that was really not it definitely wasn't resume worthy, you know? So I brought it in and I showed them and I'm like, you know, Hey, I'm ready for this. And they looked at it and they said, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I can't yes. see anyone turning you down. How old were you? Um, I want to say this was right before I moved to Chicago, which was about 2004 ish, probably at this point. So I don't know when I like, I don't even know how old I am anymore. No, I was probably about 23, 24 at the time. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah so, you're young and yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I, I took my portfolio in and they were like, no, you, you, you know, you've got, you got something going, but you know, you really got to actually actively work on it. You got to draw every day. You got to like, uh, you, you got to be prepared for, you know, higher level stuff. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. I'll do that. So I started drawing more. Um, and then eventually I moved to Chicago and then I just like made it my goal to do this. So at this point I was also starting to dabble in henna, um, because I was, I was doing henna, um, work and then I got really, really into the history of it. And then, um, I started kind of by accident doing it professionally and then it it just really grew into something big. Um, I remember your henna was beautiful. Yeah. I, uh, I did that. I mean, I still do it on occasion and been doing it since 2003. Do you um, do do you get hired for Indian weddings? I I when I was in Chicago, I've done hundreds hundreds of weddings, like oh, literally so lucky and uh, events and stuff. And I I did a lot of uh, like bar mitzvahs and ladies' night out, and you know a lot of a uh, lot of mostly wedding events though, because that was my specialty. I started doing henna a lot more regularly and a little more you know prestigiously, and then. Um, uh, I was in contact with the closest tattoo shop that I knew when I was out in the Chicago area, out in Des Plaines, Illinois. And um, the lady who had owned the place, Kate, she was like, you know, I want to bring something different into my shop. And I know, you know, you follow us and stuff and I see your henna work. She goes, I can't bring in a piercer, but, you know, maybe I can bring in something different like henna. So I'm like, yeah, this is like my entrance into a tattoo shop. This is this yes. is my this is my in, you know. Yes. So um, I started doing some of my smaller appointments there because um, I had like a two hour minimum when I'd go out to a party. And um, sometimes people want something little and they don't want to spend like, you know, $150, $200 for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and this was like five minutes away from my house. So, you know, you want to get something little, I'd go in, I'd try to schedule everybody for the same day. So it was worth the trip, you know, even though the trip was five minutes. <laughs> and uh, this was a good way for me to get into a shop and like learn some things. And uh, once again, I brought my portfolio in and I'm like, hey, you know, I want to be an apprentice. You should teach me how to tattoo. And uh, uh, the main artist there, Steve, looked at my stuff and basically said, this is this is kind of garbage. Wow. <laughs> again, no, another rejection. Let, let me tell oh. you, look at, looking back, it, yeah. it, was, it was totally garbage. Like, uh, <laughs> everybody I know, everybody I know who's who has known me throughout this like artistic journey was like, you know, you had some potential before, but whoa, this is a big change. Like just whatever. So I was like, all right, I need some formal training. And I went back, I went to art school. Excellent. Excellent. So in Chicago? I, yeah. Well, the Chicago area is in um, Palatine. Um, okay. So um, basically, I while I was going to art school, my portfolio, like to be a tattoo artist, as well as my henna work, got way, way better over the course of the you know couple of years that I did this, and uh, it just really improved everything all around. And plus, I would, while I was working at this tattoo shop. He taught me some um, some techniques on paper, like blending and you know uh, blending colors and things like that. That he teaches his apprentices in order to become tattooers. And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna apprentice here. And then when it came down to the moment that I um, would have been an apprentice, uh, he ended up taking another apprentice. And then I I and then I couldn't. Oh my god! <laughs> Lots of failures before. Uh. Yeah, well, that's how it happens. I mean, I'm not a visual artist. As a writer, you know, I've been rejected a lot until I decided just to put my stuff out on my own because at least I'm getting it out. Yeah, the people people who are most successful in life fail 
a lot more than people realize. <laughs> oh yeah. And you know, you get used to it. You're like, okay, another failure. Gotta go yeah, on. It is what it is. Just gotta keep trying. Yeah, totally. And I was gonna say about your color. Okay, guys. I don't know if people listening to this, you've been tattooed by Bridget or you're just being introduced to Bridget, but her color work is some of the most amazing, beautiful. Her blending is is phenomenal. Uh, one of my favorite things about getting tattooed by Bridget is that we get to go in her big pink box and then play <laughs> pink. Everybody <laughs> my pink box. Everybody loves the pink box. That oh, might be the cover cool. art for this episode. <laughs> my big pink box. <laughs> it's a pink toolbox, in case anyone is wondering. It's an actual toolbox. Yes. <laughs> but it's it's called the original pink box and I can't ha- help but giggle a little at you know the name. I'd love it <laughs> but just you know one of those m- more fun things than getting tattooed by you is picking out all the colors together and seeing how you're gonna blend like and I have all the colors she does <laughs> she has all of them and like I remember we went shopping at the convention so you could find more colors I'm like yeah color <laughs> shopping with Bridget I mean you see that table that I have to pick from it's like a kid in a candy store oh my god it so is and and because of it I've gotten the most beautiful colors on me like they're all me but they're all Bridget too and and that's another thing about Bridget. She works with you. She goes with your concept and what you want. And it is her own, but it's yours too. And it's so <laughs> symbolic for me. And it, it is my therapy. Yeah, you I've, basically just want all the purples. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I like all the purples, but I was thinking of getting some teals. Too. Yeah, it's a good complimentary color for it. Yeah, purple and teal I like the best. Um. Bridget, I know she loves blue and orange. Yes, I love blues and oranges together. Yeah, that's lovely. <laughs> I like combinations of colors. I don't have favorite colors. I like how certain colors interact with each other. Color Definitely. theory is like my favorite thing ever. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's beautiful. And it's awesome to hear you talk about it because I learned so much from you over the years. But now let's go back to um, tattooing. I want to see, I want to go in order with your career. So mm-hmm. you got rejected again. Yeah. How did you finally get into an apprenticeship? Well, um, my after that happened, I talked to my friend back in New York, the one who had originally made me think about the possibility of getting into tattooing. Um, and that's Joe. And uh, I, I, he had, you know, gotten into tattooing, you know, a little more, a lot more seriously at this point because he wasn't an apprentice anymore. I'd gotten a big back piece from him. I mean, not big, but you know, like a quarter of my back. So, I mean, I guess that's big. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, and we'd talked a bit about me wanting to get into tattooing and I'd been sharing my artwork with him and stuff. And, you know, he was impressed on how I had been improving. And, um, and I told him, I'm like, Hey, you know, my husband has an opportunity in New York uh, to move back with United because he had still worked for United at this point, but I wasn't working there. Um, And I'm like, uh, you know, he has a a good opportunity to transfer back to Albany. If he takes this, would you be willing to apprentice me? And he says, yeah, I'll apprentice you. He goes, but don't move back here for that. Nice. But of course I did. Yeah, yeah, because you want it, yeah, but that's your thing. I mean, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm not moving there for that. I'm moving, I mean, technically we were moving for a lot of other things, but, you know, I definitely had hopes of that. 
And then when we moved back, uh, you know, we talked back and forth about it. And then he ended up admitting to me that he, he had an apprenticeship experience that didn't go as well as he had wanted. The only other person that he had taught at that time, sometimes an apprentice mentor relationship ends up going bad and he would rather keep me as a friend. And and, I mean, I get that because like me and my mentor don't get along at all. (laughs) So, uh, you know, I, I, I understand that. And I know a lot of people that, um, like the strenuous process of becoming an apprentice kind of ruined the friend relationship. Um, and I get it. And, you know, and, uh, and I don't know if there, there were like other reasons at the time, but I know that he had, he had said basically that, um, it just didn't turn out the way he wanted it to. And he really just kind of didn't want to do it again. And I'm like, I totally understand. But at the same time, I was like, bummer, another failure. (laughs) So, um, after that happened, I was looking around and I had this really great portfolio that was like really thorough and had finished drawings. I had like 20 different finished, like complete drawings because a lot of people walk around with these sketches on like line paper and you're like, this is not a portfolio. You need to have like a resume. This is a job, you know, this isn't a career that you will probably have for the rest of your life. Like go in there with like your game face and all of your artwork nicely put together. And I had it all put together. And I I talked to a lot of places and they were like, oh, I can't take an apprentice right now. But, you know, like, good luck because, you know, you got a great portfolio. And I just kept hearing that over and over again. And I'm like, that's great, but I don't have, I still need this job. You know what I mean? I'm like, it's great that you're happy with it, but you can't take me. You know what I mean? So I ran into that a lot. And then my husband was working with a guy at United who was like, oh, my tattoo artist is looking for a apprentice, you know, talk to him. I'm like, sweet. And I went in there and um, he was like, yeah, I'll teach you and, you know, all that stuff. And uh, he wanted money for it, which I don't recommend. Um, a lot of people who uh, want to apprentice you for money are really just looking for money and free labor. So now I'm paying him to do all of his work for me, which is part of the apprenticeship is doing all the work. But, you know, I don't know about the whole paying for it part. I know people who pay for it and it works out, but I know a lot more people who pay for it that it doesn't work out. And it's really just kind of scamming, but yeah. Uh, Yeah, it sounds very dodgy, Um, (laughs) you know, and shouldn't be like that. They try to do stuff like that to writers too. pay for this and you'll get in this anthology and blah, blah, blah. You know, they, every, I think every art has scams like that. Yeah. Yeah. You get uh, in any art, like with, with henna, you get a lot of the people who are like, Oh, um, you know, uh, if you'll do this for free, it'll get you like, uh, recognition or, or like, it'll, you know, help get your name out there. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no. So it, it almost kind of feels like that a little bit. That, that kind yeah. Of, I want something from you to get you somewhere, you know? Yeah. Especially as an artist. Yes. At first you want to put things out for free for exposure, but there are certain things you're saving for like, this is not yeah. for free. Like there's a point yeah. where you need to start making money for it. But, exactly. But yeah, with, with apprenticing, you get a lot of people that do that. That uh, they they equate it to the college uh, education that you would ultimately pay for, which I get to some degree. Um, I have um, a friend who does charge for his apprenticeships, but he also he uses that money 
as the fact that he takes time out of his schedule to make sure that he's teaching you where he would normally be making money. And I get that, but this, this, that's guy, responsible. this guy didn't do that. <laughs> so why don't you think there's like tattoo schools then? Uh, based they have on- tattoo schools. Don't get me wrong. They have. Oh, they do. Is that popular oh this is this is a soapbox you may never hear the end of um awesome awesome Awesome. uh they have tattoo schools a lot of times they are like two weeks to a month and there's a reason why apprenticeships last like a year or more i know people that have been apprenticing for two years or more um it depends on the artist who's teaching you it depends on the artist who's learning um progress availability just in general, like how well you're doing during it. But in two weeks, you could not even learn glove techniques and how to not touch mm-hmm. things that are uh, yeah. like, for instance, for instance, when you're breaking down, you have to be very careful about which hands are touching clean stuff and which hands are touching contaminated stuff and making sure that you're not taking a contaminated glove and touching clean stuff. Like there, there's, there's a, a process that you have to like learn as a result of repetition and it takes months of repetition to be able to go oh no I can't touch that cabinet with this hand because I just touched this dirty machine I have to take off my glove first and there's no way that you can learn that in two weeks these people are just taking advantage of people because when you get um when you go through one of these schools, they charge sometimes like $10,000 oh and God. it's a scam because not only are you not learning what you need to, but the, the industry generally blacklists these people. If they know you came from a school, they usually will not hire you. Yeah. That's a really messed up system. You know, you would think they, there could be some kind of reform for that, like maybe a tattoo owners association where it's a, a teaching <laughs> school. That wouldn't happen, would it? No. Yeah. There are some states that require you to go to some, I want to say Oregon, but I'm not entirely sure, um, where they actually retri- require you to go to some sort of like classes school in order to become licensed in the state. But the, the tattoo artists generally don't take people directly from that to start working they take them to become an apprentice after that okay wow that's uh, thank you for that insight into that because you know i've learned a lot but there are some things that like i love when learning that deep dive stuff i I need to know like the real core of everything and you know you are a person that you are so well informed and you know continuingly and with education i mean i know as well as you with my massage license infection control don't take a month to learn it takes a year you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) you have to retrain your brain to do this and do that you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so now I'm skipping ahead now because you're you're an awesome tattoo artist for a few years now. You're working for a good uh, place. And then, boom, New York State hits us with legislation on single-use <laughs> And Bridget goes off. Would you like to explain that a bit, my darling? Well, um... I want to start this off by saying that uh, I am actually not uh, a fan of legislation and tattooing. Uh, Okay. Because, all right, I I live in New York. New York is very strange. Uh, New York, from county to county, can be some of the strictest tattoo licensing requirements in, like, the country to just completely wild west of tattooing. 
Yeah. Um, uh, right now I am in the wild west of tattooing part of things. And, um, and I like it. Like there's no oversight for us. And that's fine because I already, I'm very strict and I adhere to a lot of, um, you know, just what would normally be in place anyways, um, because I've been in counties where it is required. But uh, in New York state, it's strange because they on a state level say that we are required to have licenses, but then that it's offered on a county basis, but then it's not offered on a state basis. So technically, if we're in a county that doesn't give it to you on a county basis, you just don't even have to have one. It's very strange. It doesn't make any sense. Wow. That is uh, they have very a, they convoluted. Have few, they have a few on the, the books laws um, that are like really not enforced. They, the state really doesn't have like their stuff together in order to really regulate it. So they leave it to the counties to do it. Some counties are just insane. Uh, like in Schenectady County, they have requirements that are literally impossible to meet. Like at one point they required you to have a, they had, they required you to have like a skin biology kind of class that didn't really exist. And then they had people going to Massachusetts because Massachusetts also required it. But then Massachusetts turned around the next year and said, we don't want you going to our classes because you're not even in our state. And then Schenectady kind of went, well, (laughs) so it's like really, really hard to get a license in Schenectady. But meanwhile, you know, that's 15 minutes from here and I require nothing. So, wow. But that is one of the problems I have with regulations in general is that they are not written by tattooers. They are written by lawmakers who think that they know what they're talking about. And generally they don't. They just want to be able to look like they're controlling people so that people will vote for them. Because, you know, those bad tattooers, we do terrible things and spread diseases. And oh, things yes. Like that. You're so bad. Uh. So um, anyways, a, a few years back, and I was only a couple years into tattooing. So this was really like uh, intimidating for me to take on. They had um, they had put out a law that said uh, single use needles only, and we're like, um, okay, we haven't been using like sterilizable needles like that you would use and then sterilize and reuse since like the seventies. So everyone's <laughs> like, okay, single yeah. use needles, cool, that's what we're already doing, you know, and then everything. And, <laughs> And uh, me and a few other um, artists were looking a little closer at it and we're like, wait a minute, it also says single-use ink. And oh. we're like, okay, well, we put our inks from bottles into these little tiny cups for single-use. Like, we don't take that ink and dump it back or anything. That's disgusting. Um, and those those little cups, after they're contaminated, never touch our bottles again. And a good tattoo artist will know not to touch their bottles with dirty hands. Um, but in the regulation, it says specifically that they had to be, like, basically pre-filled um, where they come in single-use packets or something along those lines, which doesn't really exist. There's a few, like, there was a few crappy brands of tattoo inks that existed um, that, like, nobody uses, and all the good brands that are, like, renowned for being, you know, clean practices and, um, you know, uh, like, good quality ink didn't come in those forms. So everyone was like, oh, my God, I would have to, like, replace all these inks that I've already spent thousands of dollars on. People were like, oh, no, this is bad. This can set a precedent for other states. And they had already passed it at this point because they don't really, like, consult us. They just do it. 
Um, they had passed it, but it was not put into effect yet. So um, me, and, me and my friend Kyle, who I apprenticed with, um, the two of us uh, had put together some stuff. He, I really kind of took the reins as far as like, you know, pushing it out there. And he just kind of took a quiet backseat to it because he's just like, I don't know. I'll, yeah. I'll, he was he was along for everything. He just didn't want to be and the face of the anything. silent partner. <laughs> he was the no. silent partner. Bridget, if anyone was going to be the face of this, yeah, yo, yeah, no, yeah, props to Kyle, but I mean, if anybody was going to be the face, you were the absolute perfect person for the job. <laughs> I, I'm just well, I'm very well worded, I'm told, but uh, so yes, I put out very this, articulate. So I put together. A, um, first of all, I'd already been online, like saying, "Hey, everyone, look at this. This is a problem. You need to write your write your senators and write your assemblymen and blah blah blah." And, you know, I got it out there and a lot of people shared it. And I was like, all right, I need to do something a little more spreadable. So I made a petition and the petition was worded saying exactly what we already do, uh, what happened with the law and what we would like them to change it to. And then I made this petition and I put it out there. And in three days, I got over 50,000 signatures. I was one of them. <laughs> and it spread all over the world there were people in australia who were signing oh, it and gosh. people in europe that were signing it because when someplace like new york state does something with a law other states go oh well if new york can do it we can do it too and then it would change like it would, everything it would have been a huge crash yeah yeah and like i said i i tend to be on the side of uh less regulation because when they try to regulate us they don't know what they're doing and then things like this happen and i i didn't want more of the same that we're a very self-regulating craft we we tend to set these rules that we all kind of follow and we learn them through apprenticeships like you learn from your mentor don't touch things and get things dirty or this is how we do things and i mean there are some variations between it but we all do or at least we're all supposed to do bloodborne pathogens training every year through OSHA. And like we already know these things. We don't need uh, the government telling us how to do it and probably telling us how to do it wrong. So um, the uh, when, it, when it comes to the laws, the senator and assemblyman that put it together um, claimed that they were doing this because they wanted to fight hepatitis C in New York State. Uh, which is funny because, yes, technically with very, very poor conditions and probably some dude working in his basement, you can catch bloodborne pathogens like hepatitis C. And that's probably one of the most dangerous things that can be caught easily from a tattoo. Um, yes, technically you can get it from a tattoo if under really terrible conditions. Like I would have to really mess up for somebody to get that. And like I said, I've been taught you know, to avoid such things. But it's interesting because I had to gather a lot of statistics when I went in to speak to these, um, the senator and assemblyman, because ultimately I'm the one who went in. Uh, we started off with a group of us to, um, you know, talk to the, the you know, lawmakers to try to get this fixed. But ultimately, uh, in the end, they went with my kind of compromise idea that I had come up with but I've got together a lot of statistics about um, how likely you were actually to catch hepatitis C from a tattoo um, under safe conditions. When it comes to the CDC statistics, they had, um, it is far, far more likely to get a 
get hepatitis from like a nursing home or from a dentist even or from like a nail salon or something along those lines than you are to get from a tattoo. Yeah, we've all got stuff from nail salons. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) Well, it's the thing is they're cutting your cuticles. They can give you hepatitis. They are breaking your skin. Yeah, exactly. So so anyways, it came in with those statistics and um, we ended up working out something with it. But the original, the assemblyman, I want to say, who would put it together his father had died of hepatitis C, but he got it from what I think was brain surgery in the 1970s because oh, wow. so many, so many boomers, like one in nine, I want to say boomers have hepatitis C because it was easy to get from the hospital at one point. So if you had any surgery in your life, there was a good chance you could have caught it from the hospital because it's not something they had screened for. It really had nothing to do with tattooing. And he had said that it was a reaction to an outbreak, I think, in like 2012 in one of the counties that he oversees. And he was like, you know, I wanted to fight hepatitis C. So, of course, he goes after a vulnerable industry, what he thinks is a vulnerable industry, at least. But that that um, the outbreak that happened in 2012 was in a nursing home because the nurse that went from room to room checking people's blood sugar didn't bother to change the lancet. <gasps> Oh, like, my God. We would never be this stupid, so I don't know why they would yeah. us after something like that. Well, it's just an example of politicians lobbying for votes and taking causes and spinning them. It's like a spin doctor thing. Blame the vulnerable group instead of the people responsible. Yeah, well, not only um, that, it's like, you know, how much regulation did he do in the... Um, in the in uh, actual things he wants to fight, you know? Yeah, yeah, like in nursing homes. Like, why are you going after us for this? It didn't yeah. even make any sense. Now, because of this uh, particular point in time when you were doing all this, maybe you should be a public face of tattoo legislation and run for office <laughs> or something. No, no, really? No, no. I, yes, the old system, the, the, the traditional hundreds of years system of tattoo artists having this brotherhood where they learn, they pass it on down over centuries, you know, they relearn the new stuff, you know, it's, it's, it's a wonderful system for tattoo artists. But, you know, if you had someone in legislation backing your corner, you wouldn't want that to be you. Well, the problem is, is that tattoo artists are a bunch of pirates. <laughs> <laughs> You're my they, favorite they, pirate. They, they don't like to be, uh, there's, there's no In like, spotlight. there, well, there has been a few organizations that have tried to help with this type of stuff and, uh, not everyone is into it. And that's a problem because a lot of people get into tattooing because they want to do their own thing. You know, they want it to be, you know, be the rebels and stuff. And it's becoming more of an industry that an industry. Okay. So let me tell you, like, first, um, <laughs> a lot of tattooers do not like to call it an industry. It is a craft, but it's huge. Yeah, it, it, it is. It is a huge, uh, I can say industry because it includes as much as people don't like to admit it piercers and companies that sell goods and companies that sell machines and companies that sell inks and uh sponsorships it's an industry yeah <laughs> so anyway is. um and it's becoming more and more professional as opposed to you know 
uh, you know, the days of, of smashing hands with hammers and throwing Molotov cocktails into your, your neighbor's shop because you don't want them stealing your clients like long time. Oh my God. So, you know, it, it, with that, you know, um, some organization might be necessary after a while because the government sees us as this entity that is growing and they want a piece of the pie. Yeah, of course. Because rarely have I seen, so like they regulate it, but then rarely have I seen them actually do anything useful other than try to restrict the people that already know what they're doing. Because when it comes to the bad shops and the scratchers who work out of their houses, they don't do anything about them. Yeah, like they, they just, just want to make it harder for people who already know what they're doing, and then they want them to give them money. So I'm not, I'm not like some regulation perhaps, but really I feel like 99% of the time, it just, it just makes things harder for people who already know what they're doing. Yeah. But yeah. that's my <laughs> no, no, I, I definitely see that. I, and it's, it's a, it's a rough industry. It, you, you literally are pirates. <laughs> I love it because yeah. Think they are. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you have to have a certain toughness about in your demeanor, you know, mm-hmm. and you definitely have that. And it's funny because your aesthetic is pretty like, yeah. you know, <laughs> if you want a skull, it's going to be pretty. <laughs> yeah, so I tell people, I'm like, I don't do scary things because every time I try to do it scary, it still comes out pretty. <laughs> Your but skull looks very happy. <laughs> oh, I would love, I, hey, I have a happy skull from you. I know. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I want to talk about, I think even after the legislation and, and people still know your name. I remember a few years ago, I dated a tattoo artist and he knew your name, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I heard about her and all that. I'm like, yeah, that's my girl. <laughs> um, and it's uh, almost two and a half years now since you have owned Bittersweet Blackbird. No, it's only almost two years. Almost two? Yeah, okay. uh, and my one year in September, so it'll be two years next September. I thought we were almost up to your two year. I'm I know sorry. it feels like forever. Yeah. <laughs> But um, I just want to introduce how you, you know, you had this amazing shop. It's all female. Uh, mm-hmm. This is an amazing thing you've done. You must feel so proud every day. Tell me about Bittersweet Blackbird. Well, I was to put it out there that I am not opposed to hiring men. I just Oh, yeah, I didn't mean it like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like, I, I mean, I, I like the girl power aspect we have. Um, I, it's not that I wouldn't hire a guy. It's just that I kind of was going for a particular vibe and that involves women. (laughs) (laughs) Um, like I said, I, I, am not opposed to having, you know, any guys, all the, the guys that I know are good working with women because the vast majority of our clientele are women. Um, all those guys are already in shops that they like and shops that they're doing well with. So, you know, like, those guys aren't uh, looking for jobs, but um, uh, there is unfortunately a lot of, to use a little buzzword, toxic masculinity in tattooing, uh, because it was traditionally a men's career. Mm-hmm. I mean, there have been plenty of women in history that have been, you know, tattoo artists, but it is definitely male dominated. I heard a statistic once that like, uh, I think it was like one out of 10 tattooers are, are female, but I think that, that that's probably growing by this point. Since I think so too. 
there's a lot of demand for female tattooers because um, more women are getting tattooed than men right now. It's like a 65-35 split, you know. Um, more more women are getting tattooed. All those those cutesy little Pinterest tattoos. Uh, those are mostly <laughs> young. Those are mostly young women, you know, getting into tattooing. I think that probably. 85% of my clientele are women. So, um, you know, it, uh, it kind of goes with the territory. So I figured, you know, I wanted to cater to the people I generally work with. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I love the aesthetic all you and your artists have. It's all there's a link between all of it. And um, actually, my very first tattoo when I was 18 was by a woman, but she was a little old school. So uh, and it was pretty. It was just too thick, I think. And uh, what I like about your work is because I've gotten tattooed from men and women both. And um, once I met you and got a started getting tattooed by you it just your line work is thinner and neater and it's more intricate you know i i just really appreciate it it reminds me more of my own personal aesthetic you know (laughs) even when you made my uh millennium falcon here you know it's all technical it's a technical ship with all this beautiful space between it but like even the ship is pretty and the lines are delicate and intricate and it's just a work of art. And I have tattoos from guys here, you know, on my wrist that I need you to fix eventually <laughs> <laughs> that are just thick lines. The ink bled hard. They don't know what they're doing. I got watercolor from that ex-boyfriend. And- I know, I know a lot of male tattooers that can do beautiful work too. Though, yeah. So. You know, it just so happens I found you. I wasn't looking for a specific gender when trying to find like a tattoo artist when I really wanted to seriously get tattooed. But just in my experience, you know, Mm -hmm. you've already covered a bunch of stuff that men have tattooed on me. (laughs) You're just my favorite. If you were a guy, you'd be my favorite still, you know. I'm not trying to make it a gender thing. Oh. Anyway, go on. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think more than anything in my shop, I wanted the kind of aesthetic that, like, women would want to go to. I mean, ev- women have all sorts of different, you know, obviously, uh, aesthetic needs. You know what I mean? So, but yeah. uh, I wanted it to be someplace that had a very relaxing and um, non-intimidating kind of aesthetic to it. Like, I wanted you to come in there. I, I mean, even I, being a tattoo artist, sometimes I go into shops and I'm incredibly intimidated. Like, they're scary sometimes. Like, you yeah. come in there and you're like this big burly dude and there's like dead, like, like, creatures that well yeah i got some dead things on my walls too but well like, no um, but yours is like a victorian well, sitting room it's lovely yeah, I love exactly. your shop. yeah i wanted to have a kind of a, a boutique feel almost um a boutique I wanted to or be- ladies bathroom in, in a hotel. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no i i get that that's I, I don't want you to come in there and be like scared i want you to feel like you're welcome and feel like you will be comfortable because being uncomfortable or nervous during a tattoo appointment can really affect how well you sit for it. It can affect how well, um, how comfortable you are during your appointment, how much their pain level is, how comfortable you are with the artist. And if you're comfortable with the artist, you're more likely to voice your opinions of 
how you want your tattoo to come out as opposed to feeling intimidated into agreeing to things. Because I don't know how often I have covered tattoos and had people be like, well, you know, it wasn't really what I thought, but like, you know, I just kind of went with it. And it's like, no, 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 no. You need to, you need to feel like secure enough to say, you know, maybe if we change a few things, which is fine. It's your tattoo. You know, uh, I will change things for people on the spot and it's fine. Um, but like, if you are in an intimidating environment, you're less likely to be like voicing your needs. Yeah. And it really helps that your, uh, machine is nice and silent now. It's not anymore. I'm so glad. You know what? There, but, there's a time and place for every tattoo machine. So, oh yeah. Well, know, but the really loud buzz is either one. People uh, no. like your machine is your uh, like like when I worked in the other shop, there are a few people who still used coil machines, which are the loud ones that make a lot of noise, and they um they they're loud. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, and people will be like, oh, you know, why is your why is their machine so much louder than yours? And I'm like, well, actually, it's more of the sense that my machine is quieter than theirs. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that way. It's the other way around because, you know, there's a time and place for the machines. Not everyone uses um, uh, rotary machines. I use a rotor machine, rotary machine because they're lighter and I have carpal tunnel and they do the things that I want. And my mentor really didn't teach me all the things about coil machines because there's a lot of uh adjustments and settings and things that you could work towards to make it work for you but he didn't teach me those things so ultimately i picked up a rotary machine and i was like oh, i know what i'm doing now <laughs> so, <laughs> so i Excellent. i use that one because it works best for me so i mean i a yeah. lot of people do find it a lot more relaxing because there's nothing like a loud like squealing uh rattle noise to like get your nerves up while you're getting tattooed yeah I'm a sensitive person and it always irked me and ever since you got the the new machine I'm like ah even though I still feel the pain it doesn't make the pain quieter unfortunately no it feels the same they yeah. tell people, like it's the same thing as an eel going in and out of your skin they don't feel any different <laughs> you would think they would have made one of those by now um now, you had said before that you and your mentor, uh, you don't, you know, you don't like each other anymore. Do you, like, are you still in contact with him or? Oh, no, no, no. I have not talked to him since he fired me. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, okay. All right. I mean, and that, that was your, at the end of you getting a mentor, I guess. Well, no, I ended up, um, I ended up getting, well, you see with the, with the apprenticeship, I was, um. I had been there about a year. I think it was about two weeks shy of a year. Um, and uh, he kind of stopped teaching me. Oh, wow. uh, and uh, I was still doing henna. I mean, it was like maybe every like couple times a month, you know. And I had actually uh, been hired to do a lecture series on the history of henna, which is something I did a lot of uh, out in Chicago by Penn State. And they were paying me oh, wow. a lot of money and uh, they had already prepaid me a lot of money. And I had told them a couple times, I was like, I have to be here at this event on this date. Like I'm, I will not be here at this date because I have this thing I have to do. And I had told them a couple times and I had mentioned it. And then when it came down to the day of it, I was like, no, I'm not coming in. I already told you I'm doing this, you know, big event and they're paying me a lot of money to be there. And I have to be gone for a couple of days because I had to drive there and drive back. 
Uh, and I told him, I'm like, I won't be there. And he was like, well, when you get back, you can pack your stuff. And I'm like, whatever. He was just, he was, he was just looking for a reason to get rid of me because he had been trying to shake me for months because that's what he did is he would hire people. He would hire apprentices, take their money and then just try to shake them, you know? Uh, uh, And he did that with multiple people when I was working for him. Most of what I learned, I attribute to my friend Kyle who worked on the ink law with me because uh, he was the apprentice there with me at the same time. And because my mentor did not want to teach me these things, he would just be like, oh, Kyle, show her how to do this. So sure. He showed me how to Ah. sterilize equipment. He showed me how to break down and set up when I had some issues and I would be like, oh, I I don't know how to do this. Um, My mentor would be like, well, don't you watch me? And I'm like, yeah, but I need a little bit of a further explanation. Can yeah, you just tell me this? Medical and then ultimately, Kyle was the one who ended up showing me things. So I like to joke and say that I learned from an apprentice. <laughs> That's adorable. Now, is Kyle the one who tattoos you when you go to Chicago? No, no, he's 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 locally here. Oh, um, oh. The one who tattoos me when I go to Chicago is Kurt. And Kurt, while I, I was an apprentice, huh? I knew it was a K. Go on. Yeah, this is a lot of Ks. But um, when I was, during my apprenticeship, I was getting my half sleeve done. So about once a month, I would fly out to Chicago and get some work done. And um, he, like, just watching him work on me taught me a lot, too. So, I mean, I I learned a lot from asking questions of the people around me as opposed to from my actual mentor. I mean, there, I mean, obviously there's some things that I learned from him, but it wasn't enough. So he ultimately, he fired me. And then I ended up at final word, which is the shop that you met me at. That's the Um, name of it. Yes. And he, and that's not, it's, it's, I don't even think he tattoos anymore. I'm not sure. Uh, He was kind of, he's kind of one of those guys that did a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Um, like he did roofing and he, he was always really good at all the things that he did. And he was a great tattooer. Um, but ultimately when he hired me, um, he didn't tell me that he had a pending court case and he ended up going to prison for a year, like about a month or two after he hired me. And, um, and like, he showed me, he showed me quite a few things while he was there. Um, he helped me with some of my, you know, coloring techniques and things like that. Um, but then ultimately he left and he left me and another apprentice who is also named Kyle, which is funny. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, he has a different, different Kyle from the other one. Um, and the two of us kind of run the shop. The two of us were like fresh out of our apprenticeship because he was basically like, well, Hey, I'm leaving now, but you know, you guys are good on your own. So have fun. Um, my mom's going to overlook the shop and you guys can work because you're doing great. And we're like, cool. And then his mom took over and she's a freaking psycho. So oh, yeah, I remember ultimately, those stories. <laughs> ultimately, that drove me out and then ended up landing me at Needleworks where I was for like five or so years yeah, before I opened that. my own shop. Yeah. yeah. And I loved working there. It was great. It like was. Everybody, and, and when I went to Needleworks, I was working with Joe, who was the one who ultimately was the original person who I met who was an apprentice and got me into tattooing. Oh. So it's oh like full, full circle. Full over and circle, over again. I love and I like it. To tell him that this is all his fault. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, ultimately it, he got me to help me get the job at Needleworks. So yeah, that's full beautiful. circle. Yeah, I love it. It's a beautiful tale. I, I mean, 
I mean, it's your life. It's a beautiful life. I mean, though, just the way, you know, the way you worked for it and everything and how it all came to you when you put that energy out there, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of times when this whole process tried to shake me. (laughs) Yeah, but you stuck (laughs) with it. And, you know, look what you are today. You're a beautiful goddess. Actually, I did before we end. I, I was uh, something caught my ears earlier when you said, and I wanted to ask you about the history, some uh, old, dank, dirty history of tattooing. You said something about smashing the hands with the hammers and Molotov cocktails <laughs> through the uh, windows, and I'm like, and she didn't say anything more about that. So give give me the dirt. Come on, I need to know. Well, I mean. How crazy it was back then, what, like at the turn of the century or the 20s or? You know, um, I am now that I, one of the things that when you learn to tattoo, a lot of things your mentor should instill in you is some history. And Kyle was always pushing that. And I learned, I learned a lot of things from him because he was way, way into the, the history of tattooing. And I admittedly don't know as much about it as I would as, as I should, but I'm, I'm learning a lot more about, you know, the history of tattooing and, um, a lot of that stuff. And, uh, I have this one client, uh, who's a photographer in, um, he's been a photographer in tattooing for like years and years and years. And, uh, he was around tattooers during that time when things were very, you know, uh, chaotic. Tattoo gang wars. He tells me the best stories. It's great. <laughs> And, uh, so I've learned a lot more about that. Um, also the whole dealing with the ink law thing. Uh, I had quite a few people criticize me for being super green and not knowing enough about the history of tattooing. Wow. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that I do know, but there's a lot that I don't. Um, and that's how it works. I do know that now it's a, it's a lot different than it used to be. Like for instance, in the Albany, um, Albany area or like, um, you know, just the general capital region area, um, tattooers are very, um, we're very chummy. Like everybody gets along. I mean, I'm sure there's not everybody, but like for the most part, everybody gets along. It's not like we're mad that other people are tattooing in our area and, you know, they're taking our clients because we're all artists and we have our own styles and people come to us for our styles. And we get together sometime for art nights and art shows and things like that. And a lot of us will, will write each other like, Hey, what kind of machine are you using? Oh, have you tried this or whatever? Which is something that would not have happened 50 years ago, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it's it a, was a every man for himself, it. sort of. Yeah, exactly. You don't want anybody in your territory, and you know. Wow, um, it's like it, drug dealing. <laughs> well, this thing—they're pirates. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it's booty dealing. <laughs> yeah, and you know, most of them are working, you know, under the table, or you know, they're not oh, wow. paying taxes, and they're not, um, you know, uh, they're in New York State until not that. It was like ninety maybe like it was like early wow. 90s late 80s where it was just illegal in New York State so I can't remember the I think I want to say it was 92 but um where it was just illegal at least in New York City but um possibly the rest of the state so people were working in you know establishments in their homes and stuff like that which is not something I would recommend but back then that was kind of the norm um and it was more secretive you know so it's things have changed a lot it's yeah. it's I mean, there are, I mean, groups on Facebook of tattoo artists who, you know, we share ideas and information and we give each other, um, 
what's it called? Uh, we give each other advice and critiques and things like that. It's, it's really more art centered than it used to be. Yeah, no, that's lovely to, to have that art community, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, and it's there's very... still a bunch of pirates, but <laughs> it's, yeah, <laughs> it but changed completely, but it's, it's, a, it's, it's definitely not the same thing it used to be, but I was well, not around good. for that. So I can't really attest. No, to it. <laughs> but maybe next time I eat tattoo me, I'll get to hear a few stories. Just yeah, out of mind. But let's mm-hmm. end our thoughts on life about Bridget. Um, I want to know, Bridget, uh, what do you, what would you have to say to women tattoo artists beginning their careers, or you know, uh, in the middle of their careers, or what would what do you have to say, or just tattoo artists in general? Maybe I should amend that. As a, well, tattoo artists in general, and then it's it's it is harder for women. Um, yeah. That's well, first wild. of all, for tattoo artists in general, get into it the right way, and that is the biggest thing that I push because I get people all the time asking me, "Oh, you know, I want to get into tattooing. I just bought a gun, which is not a gun; it's a machine." Oh God. But, um, uh, you know, never oh, call it a gun in front of Bridget, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a gun. I don't pew 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 people. Um, so, uh, like people like, Oh, I just bought a gun and I want, I need some advice because I can't get it to come out right. And it's like, Stop, don't do it. Do not try to teach yourself. Uh, you, you cannot be taught proper technique. You cannot be taught proper cleanliness to yourself because like I said, all that stuff you have to learn about not touching things with dirty gloves and things like that. You don't generally learn yourself and you'll go on and on not knowing that you are doing it wrong and you're just teaching yourself bad habits. There's no way that you can properly um, sanitize a house to be appropriate for tattooing unless you like literally have a room that's meant for it that's set up like a tattoo shop which is generally something you're not going to learn very easily without learning it from another tattoo artist yeah um and i'm also uh and people will be like oh but apprentices they won't take me or it's too hard or or, i don't have time and it's like if you don't have all these things you shouldn't be tattooing like yeah like you'll hear, um, oh well, I, I, my art. They said my artwork's not good enough. Well, <laughs> your artwork's not good enough. Then Make keep it drawing. Better. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you should focus on your artwork. Um, draw every day because that's literally what I do. I sit there and I draw for eight hours every single day. That's my job. I draw on people, but I also draw on paper to prepare to draw on people. So if you're not willing to draw every single day, then you're not ready for it. Um, don't be discouraged. Don't just take a no for an answer. Keep going. Like I, for 10 years was told no by various other places. And here I am, you know, you just, you just have to be persistent. Um, and especially as a woman, because people will like, let's see the first couple places that I started looking into a tattoo or a tattoo apprenticeship was back when like Miami Inc was a big thing. And then Kat Von D was on there and was like, Oh, girl power you know <laughs> and um <laughs> wait can so, we talk about how you were a proposed for one of those shows and you turned it down because you were like no oh no 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 i got i got an invite from ink master <laughs> actually a couple times now where they're like oh you should come on to the show and i'm like yeah no, no. <laughs> that's one of my no, favorite stories not not, not interested no. in any of that at all <laughs> I, I love I, it. I, i'm not not into that the drama it's it's not even real but anyways uh, so at the time like Kat Von D was a big thing so now everywhere I looked 
for a tattoo apprenticeship, they were like, oh, oh, you know, and mind you, I didn't even watch these shows. Um, they were like, oh, you know, all these girls want to get into tattooing just because now they see Kat Von D on television. And all of a sudden, all these girls want to tattoo. And I'm like, what the hell, oh, man? It's so misogynistic. <laughs> like, exactly. And it's like, oh, could you think that maybe a girl wants to get into a tattoo job just like, you know, a guy would for the same reasons, perhaps, you know? And it's, yeah. I ran into a lot of that. I ran into the lot, a lot of the, well, you know, you're pretty enough. You, you could pull it off. <gasps> what the hell does that have to do with Whoa. it or oh you know it's great to have a female in the shop because you know that'll get us more female clients which is true to some extent but it's like yeah, so but now it's you're, seedy. you're seeing me as an asset because of my gender and not my artwork which at that point a lot of times they hadn't even looked at my portfolio yet and i'm oh. like seriously <laughs> so you run into a lot of that a lot of it um so it's 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 challenging oh, <laughs> to yeah. say the least. Um, How is so yeah, my, my best advice for somebody who wants to get into tattooing is have a thorough portfolio, a finished portfolio, like resume worthy um, artwork completed of various a lot of different um, media, like paintings, uh, drawings watercolor uh digital art is really big right now because most of us are working on ipads nowadays and uh you know to understand how that works is also important but not just that you have to be able to show that you can do multiple different things and not just one style of artwork you want to see all the styles of artwork you want to see realistic stuff you want to see uh illustrative stuff you want to see traditional stuff you know you want to be able to show that you're a well-rounded artist uh, I get a lot of people fresh out of high school who come with come to me with uh, their high school portfolios that um, are really only good for maybe getting into college. Uh, <laughs> so do you want to see that you're doing artwork that is not just directed by your art teacher, which is usually weird because I remember all of my art projects in high school being weird and not making any sense at all because art teachers are weird. I mean, I think in another life, I, could have <laughs> <art> <laughs> I loved all of my art teachers. I loved all of my art teachers. They were great. Some um, weird. Like, but, yeah. but some of the projects are kind of strange. You know, like, like I had a project in high school where we had to take like lyrics and like photos and then we like blurred the photos and cut them out and put the lyrics in between it. If I went into a tattoo shop with that, it'd be completely useless. Yeah. That's like, so yeah, yeah you need finished stuff of your own. Yeah. Um, and then just be persistent. Like you're going to be told no right off the bat, like right off the bat, you're going to hear no, because they want to see that you're trying hard for it. You're not just going to walk in and be like, here you go. I'm good. I'm all set. Unless you pay for it which does not always work out. You know, that's funny. It's a lot like Judaism. If you want to convert to Judaism, you have to be turned down three times because they want to know that you want it. Yeah, exactly. It's it's probably very comparable. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, and then what would you say to for women now getting into tattooing? Don't put up with things that you don't have to put up with. Um, it's, It's very common for women to be told that they have to be silent on certain issues or they just need to be accepting of the way that guys talk sometimes i i'm thankful that i have always worked with very respectful guys like i cannot really complain about anybody i have i mean except maybe my mentor but um (laughs) who is actually always respectful like 
around me to like women and stuff, but, um, around me, (laughs) (laughs) um, but like, you know, all the guys I've always worked with have always been very, um, very respectful to women. So I'm thankful for that, but I have heard some horror stories Mm. and then women who are, who are getting told that they're being too sensitive because they don't like all the rape jokes that are going on (gasps) or, or, or they, you know, they get, they get called out for calling out a male coworker for being touchy with their clients and stuff like that. Um, I hear so many horror stories and I think that more than anything, you know, go in there you know, they, they say that you, you gotta, you gotta run with the guys and you gotta be ballsy and you gotta be tough skinned, but the tough skinned is not being tough skinned for putting up with things and being silent. You need to be tough skinned to be able to call out these things. So either way, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get a grow some balls to bust them. (laughs) All right. Uh, no, no, we can, we can say that. (laughs) No, these balls are sensitive. Balls are sensitive. Just show them yeah, that your badge is bigger than their balls, right? <laughs> and it's also a whole lot tougher. <laughs> exactly. Betty White even said it. It could take a pounding. Yes, exactly. Fine. <laughs> people. <laughs> yeah, I think it's important to hear this from you because, you know, like you said, when you were trying to apprentice, there was a set of problems, and now there's a whole new set of problems with for female tattoo artists oh, yeah. and burgeoning it's a artists. a lot of the same problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's nice to hear an array of them and, you know, to, to, to make that information aware. And, mm-hmm. and that's why I wanted to talk to you about it because, you know, I consider you, I mean, you know, you're a master tattooist, as yeah. Ralph Wiggums would say. I have a lot of a lot and we learn. always have a lot to learn mm-hmm. we're con- i mean you know you're one of the people that learn every day from everything and you know how you were last year doesn't even compare to how you are now and let's see you five years from now you know i mean i'm gonna be getting tattoos from you until you retire I just want you to know that I don't care if I have to put more shit on my legs you know I just you know I just want to be Bridgeted (laughs) and uh with that now that I've been cheesy and vulnerable emotionally I just want to say Bridget thank you from the all of my heart I love you very much I'm so glad that we went from tattoo uh artist to client to friends and uh next time you know in July when I come by hopefully we can go out for Indian food again or yes and hopefully the restaurants will be up and running and like normal again oh that would be nice I highly doubt it but we can always order takeout (laughs) okay we can order takeout yes as long as we get to have a nice conversation i'm happy and um yeah for sure i can't remember what time of day you're coming in but uh, i know i planned for a little extra so <laughs> oh cool awesome yay i think noon mm-hmm. probably yeah we'll see we'll figure it out <laughs> <laughs> yeah awesome all right bridget um thank you so much for of course being you and um you rock and thank you for opening your lady mouth that lady mouth <laughs> <laughs> It's Julie and KB from Elvis Lives, a conspiracy theory podcast. What do we talk about, Julie? Conspiracies. No way. What kind do we talk about? Celebrities. Mm, Government. Time travel. Tune in every Monday. What day? 
Monday. What was it? Monday. Oh, Monday. Monday for your fill of conspiracy theories. Exactly. Uh, but did you ever think of... Um... Nope, I lost it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.